If you have a Bible, if you have a Bible, turn it to Matthew chapter 6. I made the mistake last week and said we were going to 6, and now we are in 6. Okay, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some back there for you. If you'd rather not use the paper one, although I would encourage you to use the paper one, they're way better. Uh, we do have a nice big electronic Bible right up here for your viewing pleasure. But it's fine. We're going to be Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 5 through 8. And then we're going to go on and we're going to talk about more verses in there. But before we do, I just want to ask you, what kind of prayer are you? Right? If I just said prayer, then you'd think I was talking about like a prayer, like the act of praying. But when you pray, what kind of prayer are you? I think there's a couple different types. Like maybe you've seen people like this before. How many of you guys have gone down to Sundance Square in Fort Worth before, at any point, for any reason at all, okay, like the downtown square in Fort Worth, or you've been somewhere similar, like a downtown area in a city, like maybe you went to the Las Vegas Strip, or you've been to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, or somewhere like that, okay, have you ever seen somebody who prays like this, they have a megaphone, and they're standing there on the street corner, and they say something like this, Lord, Father, Jesus, and heaven, do not incur your wrath on these heathen walking into the bar in tank tops and short shorts. They knoweth not what they doeth. Do not burn fire from heaven on their souls. Right? Have you ever seen somebody that prays like that? They're really loud. They're really boisterous. They're really in your face about their prayers, and they're kind of freaky, right? That, that, that type of guy kind of scares me a little bit, yeah. How about the repetitive, pre- uh, the, not preacher, the repetitive prayer? Lord, Father, God in heaven, Jesus Christ, we just pray to you, Father, that you would, Father, come and move in our lives, Father, in your holy goodness, gracious, grace alive type of m- movements and mercy. God, the Father, 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 Jesus, Father, God, 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 God. They pray like that, right? You ever seen somebody pray like that before? Maybe you pray like that? Nobody's about to raise their hand in a minute, right? How about the person who just doesn't pray? I'm not going to pray at all because that's weird, right? Um, I'm not going to do it. Like, it's just not a thing. Or maybe when it's your turn to pray in front of other people, you almost, like, poop yourself because you're like, not me, they call on me to pray, right? And you, like, get super anxious and you're like, I don't know, I can't do this, Ah, I'm going to mess it up. There's other types of prayer, but I feel like the people that are praying most often around us kind of fall into one of those categories. Either they're really loud and they're in your face and they're obnoxious about it, or they're super repetitive, 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 and they say the same thing, same thing, same thing over and over and over and over and over and over over again. Or maybe they just don't because they don't want other people to think they're the weird person who prays a lot, right? Or maybe you just freeze up and you're kind of anxious about it. Those are really the ones that we see most often. And some of us could be some combination of a little bit of all of them. Right? Or maybe a lot of all of them. I don't know. Regardless of where you stand with your experiences of prayer, we've got some pretty weird ways to do it. Right? Or not do it. They're all over the place. But here's the thing. All four of these types of prayer, did you know they exist? Because those people are focused on other people. Let me prove it to you. The person who's loud and who is screaming like that, like so much that even the, the, the megaphone gets exhausted. Right? That person wants the crowd to hear them praying, right? They're not praying for that person's sake. There might be some people walking into a bar that they're trying to pray for, but they really care about everybody else that's watching to see what they're saying. Can you kind of see how that works for them? 
Because if they really cared about those people and they really didn't care about what anybody else thought, they would just walk up to the people they saw walking into the bar and talk to them, right? And pray to them. But they scream it for everyone to hear because they're focused on other people. Or the repetitive person. They are textbook definition example of a nervous filler word moment. You ever seen this before? I know a person who his, his nervous filler word is on there. And it's one of... He's a great person, but it's one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had. He goes, he goes, especially when he prays, he'll say like, Father, we're just so grateful for the sermon that you gave. My, he's the, 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 the pastor on there. Uh, and just whenever you come into our lives on there, God, would you just kind of bless us on there? And he just says on there, on there, on there, over and over and over again. And he repeats it over and over. And there was one person I know who said Father like every three words. And so when I was in middle school, I started counting to listening to this person. How many times does he say father in the prayer to the point that to this day, I can't listen to this person pray without counting the number of times they say father. And I don't actually focus on what they're praying about because I'm trying to worry. I'm so worried about how much they say father. This person is using a nervous filler word because they don't know what else to say. So they just say whatever comes into their mind and they don't filter it. They're just like, well, father, I don't know, God. They're so focused on that that they can't remember the word they said three, three words ago, which was father. And then they say it again, right? Or on there, or whatever. And they repeat it and repeat it and repeat it because once again, they are focused on other people. Or the careless person. They don't pray because they think they're going to look weird if they pray. Or maybe they just really think that they know better than other people and it's not going to be worth it to them. And so they live life like that's true. Right? Not focused on God. Or the anxious person. You're trying to be impressive. Everything is falling onto my shoulders right now. And it's all going to fall apart because I'm going to fail. Once again, it's a different version of self-centeredness, but it's still self-centeredness, isn't it? You're still focused on yourself. If that's how we're praying, then who are we actually praying to? Are we praying to God? It sure as heck doesn't sound like we're focused on God very much, if at all. And guys, this is a really dangerous way to pray. Because if you're saying you're going to pray to God and then all you think about while you're praying is the people around you, you're in some hot water real fast. So we're in a series right now called All of My Best Friends. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus explains to us what it looks like to live life following God, like you were created to live. When that happens, what do people do with each other? How do they interact with each other? It's a good way to find how to be a good friend, how to be the best kind of friend, and what the best kinds of friends to look for are. And this week, we are in chapter 6. We're going to read verses 5 through 8, and then we're going to pray. So if you have your Bible with you, turn there with me. Um, You should have had time to get there, and if you didn't, then that's okay. It's going to be up here on the screen with you, or with me, okay? Let me pull it up so we actually have it. Okay, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Here we go. Jesus says, Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they... They love to pray standing in the synagogues, which is just their version of church in Jesus' time. They love to stand in the synagogues and pray and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, which just means people who don't follow God at this time. There were Jews who did, and Gentiles who didn't. Since they imagine that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need 
before you ask Him. Let's pray. Father, um, speak to us tonight. As you spoke to those people through Jesus so many years ago, I pray that you would help us to hear you um, and live like the words that you've said in this section are true. Guys, if you would, just for a second, take a second and pray for yourself. Ask God to speak to you. Ask him to teach you something about himself tonight. And if you would, pray for me too, that God would use me and that I'd be helpful for you. Father, we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's break down what Jesus is saying, and then we'll figure out what it means, okay? He says, when you pray, so he just assumes that we're praying. We'll get back to that in a second. He says, don't be like the what? What does he say in that first verse? The hypocrites. It's in verse 5. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. And then later on, he says, don't be like who? The Gentiles. The Gentiles. So let's try and figure out who he means by hypocrites. You guys know what a hypocrite is, right? Mm -hmm. There's someone who says that life should be one way, that you should do one thing, you should act one way, but then when they actually live their lives, they do something completely different, right? Congratulations, you are a hypocrite because you've done that at some point in your life. Promise, all of us have. He says the hypocrites, but then he describes the hypocrites. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. Why? Because the hypocrites like to stand in the middle of church and pray for everybody to hear them and stand on the synagogue, not the synagogue, on the street corners so everybody can hear what they're saying. These are the people in their day who acted like they were following God, who said to everyone that they were following God because they're in church. They're out in public. They're talking to God in front of people. But he says they get out there and they do it that way. Why? You see? He says they do it to be seen by people. That's in the second to last line right there. But then he says, truly, I tell you, they've already got their reward. They've already got what they're looking for. Then he talks about the Gentiles. In verse 7, when you pray, don't be like the Gentiles. These are only just people who don't follow God. This is like, in our day, it's like saying people who don't know God. People who aren't Christians and have never had a reason to be Christians, right? They just don't know. They don't know any better. So when they pray, they use a lot of words and they repeat themselves a lot because they feel like if they just do it enough, then God will hear them, right? Or whoever is up there will hear them. Don't be like the hypocritical Religious people who act like everything is great, but they're really just trying to get people to notice them and pay attention to them and approve of them. And don't be like the people who don't know any better because they don't know any better. So why would you trust what they do, right? Why are you looking at people who aren't followers of Jesus to tell you how you should follow Jesus? It doesn't make sense. Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites and don't be like the Gentiles because they don't know better or they're liars, Jesus is saying most people here are thinking of prayer as an opportunity for promotion. You guys know what it means to promote something? To show it off, to make other people pay attention to it, to make everybody look at it. People who come come to church and just pray in front of everybody so that they can be seen by people. And people who don't know any better but still try to pray, they're trying to get other people to approve of them. Because if the other people will approve of them, then everything will work, right? It's like saying you're going to use God... To get other people to like you so that you don't have to deal with the conflict of people not liking you. That's what he's talking about. It's kind of like this. You go to church. You live a good life. You don't really do anything necessarily wrong. Or at least people don't know that you don't do anything wrong. Right? Or they, they don't know that you do things that are wrong is what I should have said. They think that everything is fine, that you're you're a good kid and everything's all right. But you use that 
as evidence that you're, you're fine and everything's okay. Even though behind closed doors and on your own time, you're doing your own thing and you are hurting people, hurting yourself, making decisions that are not wise and everything's not good there. You use what God has done to cover all of that up so other people won't see it. Not because you actually want a relationship with God, but because you're afraid of what would happen if people knew. That is what Jesus is describing. We feel a pressure to perform whether that's to perform in a way that sounds good while we're praying or to just make everybody focus on something other than ourselves, like the person who got really anxious when they were praying. We feel this pressure to perform. And unfortunately, the God-given, abundantly gracious method of communication that God gave us to communicate with the creator of the universe gets caught in the crossfire because we want to use it to impress other people. We want to use good things, and especially our prayer, with this method or this, this um, motive. It's normal for us to feel this pressure, right? Everybody around us is promoting themselves. There are couples who have a logo for like a brand for their couple relationship. They're not even married. Yeah, like they're... And they're making money off of it, right? Or like individuals that do the same thing, right? I, I'm not going to lie. I have a logo for myself that I use when I like write stuff online or when I'm going to go speak somewhere else if I want to put a brand on what I've done so people can recognize that it's from me. It's a thing. It's a real thing. There's a pressure here. It's not bad to have that logo. It's not bad to do those things. But what it does is it makes us feel like we have to promote ourselves too. And everybody around us has to see what we're doing and be okay with it. Otherwise, everything's going to fall apart. So we start using other people and even things like prayer, that we're never meant for this to try and promote ourselves. This includes God. It includes prayer. And so here's where we're starting with our handouts. If you've got your handout and you see your fake friends blank, it says, fake friends promote themselves. Fake friends promote themselves. People who call themselves your friend, but then all they ever do is make you pay attention to them. You know somebody like that? They only ever want to talk about their life. They only want to talk about their things. They only want to do their things. They couldn't care less about what you do. Or maybe this. They use you so that they can get a laugh or so that they can get some satisfaction. They mess with you so that they can be looked, they can be seen by other people as better or more impressive. You know somebody like that? Ever been somebody like that? I have a lot. And it's exhausting. Fake friends promote themselves. But who wants to be friends with a salesman that doesn't listen? You ever had a traveling salesman come to your door before? Yeah? Did you, did you get to witness what happened when they got to the door? When your parent says, no thanks, we're good. Do they just walk away? No, they come back. No, they either come back or they shove their foot in the door so you can't shut it, right? If that's never happened to you, it's happening on social media all the time. They're shoving stuff in your face for you to see so you'll buy it. It used to happen a lot more when the internet wasn't a thing. But nobody wants to be friends with a salesman who doesn't listen. If the salesman comes to your door and he says, you really need to focus on this thing and invest in it. You need to buy it. And you're like, no thanks, I'm good, I already got one. And he just goes, no, 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 you're, you're, you're just dumb. You don't know what's going on. You, you don't understand this product. you got to get it. Like, would it be easy to be friends with that person? No. Not even close. Here's the thing, though. You're friends with people 
all around you who are doing this every day. And you wonder why you're exhausted by the people that you spend time around. It's because all they want to do is promote themselves and make you pay attention to them. They want to use you to help you focus on them. Or they're so self-centered, they don't want you to focus on them at all. They're afraid that if you do focus on them, everything will fall apart. So they do everything they can to push everything away. But it's still self-centered. Nobody wants to be friends with a salesman who won't listen to you. So if everybody's promoting... How do we fix it? How do we get back to what we were supposed to be? Well, promotion comes from being focused on yourself. So the answer would be to focus on the thing you're supposed to focus on, which is not yourself. And that's prayer. And that's why Jesus talks about these things in this section. So for praying, how should we pray? First of all, we should pray, period. How long have you spent in prayer this week? How much time? I want you to genuinely, honestly Think about the answer to this question. If you have spent more than five minutes in prayer over this last week, you are above average in how much time you're praying. Five minutes in a week. There aren't even five minutes that you, like you spend, you spend five minutes watching TikTok and it goes like that. So fast. Think about how little amount of time that is. If it's less than five minutes, there are most people in the world are in that boat. That's about how much people pray. Jesus actually gives us step-by-step instructions on how to pray. And it's in the following verses. Okay, can I see that keyboard so I can see, look at my notes at the same time? Thank you. Appreciate it. Here we go. Here's what he says. Look at verse 9. This is where he starts. Step 1. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Step 1. If you have a place to write these, these steps down, do it. Anywhere you can, okay? Write them down. Step one is in verse nine. Step one and two are actually both in verse nine. Step one, our. Jesus assumes that we are praying, but he assumes that we are praying together. Notice what he does not say. Therefore, you should pray like this. My Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. The fact that he uses the word our assumes that he thinks that we are praying together. You should be praying with your friends. And if you're not, your friendship with them is not as good as it could be. This is where Jesus starts. Our Father in heaven. Fake friends promote, but real friends pray together. How do they pray together? Step two, hallowed be your name, or your name be honored as holy. Holy means separate, different, above, not the same as other things. You got to recognize that God is different. Get your heart in line with the truth that God is not the same as you. And that's a good thing. He is different. But how is he different? It goes on. Verse 10 has step three. Your. So step one, our. Step two, holy. Step three, your. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who would you say is the boss of your life? Not God, but who would you say is the boss of your life? Your mom? How about this? When you turn 18, who gets to be the boss of your life? Ourselves. Man, that's a lot of me's I just heard. Can I get two claps and a Ric Flair? Guess what? Your mom is not the boss of your life. She's number two. Can I get two claps and a Ric Flair? This is very important. Your mom is not the number one boss of your life. God is. 
Even after you graduate and you leave your parents' house, God is still the boss of your life. You know how I know? He made you. He's my boss. Anything I say that goes against what He says is wrong. But everything I say that goes with what He says is right. Because He said it first. God is the boss of your life. That doesn't mean don't listen to your mom. It means God is the number one person in control, in charge of your life. Really great parents know this is true. And they're willing to admit when they mess things up and defer to God and let God lead the way. Jesus says, you're, you are not the king of your life. You will not be the king of your life when you turn 18. God is the king of, of your life because he made you. Steve Jobs is the king of my phone and this iPad and the computer that we ran the music off of and the computer that's running this. They're all Apple computers because he made them. Right? He got to decide how they live and what they do. You gotta drag your need to promote yourself out into the light and kill it. Step one, our. Step two, holy. Step three, your. Step four, verse 11. Give us. Jesus is saying, give us today our daily bread. He says that God knows and has what we need, so we need to trust that He's gonna give it to us. Step four, give. Our, holy, your, give. Again, God knows better than you. He knows what you need. So you've got to trust that he will give it to you and get your heart in line with that truth. Step five, forgive. Verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive the people who have done things to us. Sorry. Forgive us in the things that we owe you on. Just like we forgive the people who owe us. Right? When they've done something wrong and they owe us justice, forgive us like we forgive them. You can't truly ask for forgiveness without humility, can you? You can't ask for somebody for, to forgive you without stopping being proud. You have to be humble to make it work. Step five is forgive. You can't truly ask for forgiveness without humility. Check your pride at the door and own where you have messed up with God and with others. Ask God to forgive you. Are you noticing a trend here? Everything about this prayer is getting our minds off ourselves and on to who? Our friends. Not our friends. Who's been the subject of all of these steps? God. Step six. Lead us. Verse 13. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us or lead us away from the evil one. When's the last time anybody in 2020 willingly asked somebody else to lead them? We don't want to do it, do we? We want to be in control of our own lives. Jesus is trying to over and over and over again in every conceivable area of life, him or this point home right here. Once again, we come back to Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Who has been here over this series and can tell me what poor in spirit means? We've men- we mentioned this every single week. What does it mean? Have nothing to offer. It means you have nothing to offer who? God. God. Right. When you recognize that your spirit, your life, your soul has nothing that you can do, that you have no control, that you actually have not been in charge of your life at all, that you have nothing, it clears out all the space in your heart that you've been spending and using it for pride and getting other people to focus on you. And it gives you all that space to be filled with God and what he has for you. People who know that they're poor in spirit have no need to promote themselves. Right? Because they will start promoting the one who gives them life, which is God. They can pray 
for you, and they can pray with you. So fake friends promote themselves, but real friends pray for each other and pray with each other. This is what that means. Did you notice what the focus of Jesus' steps for prayer was? Getting your focus off of yourself and onto God. If God created you and he knows what's best for you, then the life he has for you is going to be really, really cool, even if it's full of trash. Jesus said when he was alive that in this world you're going to have trouble. Bad things are going to happen. People that you love are going to die. Injustice is going to happen. People are going to do bad things and maybe not get caught for it. But you can take heart, Jesus said, because I've overcome the world. The world's going to give you trouble, but Jesus has power over it. Real friends pray for and with each other. They can make sure that your heart and their hearts are lined up next to what God wants for you. Here's what God wants for you. These are taken from different verses all over the Bible. When God talks about you, this is what he says. He wants to prosper you and to protect you, to give you hope and a future. He wants you to be treated by him and by others like you were made in the image of God. Because you were made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says, you were made to reflect God. That's why you deserve honor. You deserve respect. You deserve to not be destroyed. That's why so many people out there are fighting for the cause of unborn babies who are getting killed in the womb. Because they believe those, be- those people are humans made in the image of God that are worthy of respect and dignity. Just like you are. If one of you guys got killed by a murderer, the community would lose its mind, wouldn't they? Why? Because you're living. Because you're a human being, right? And it's especially hard to handle when you're a young kid because it seems like young kids... Or you're in the womb. Or in the womb. Because it seems like you haven't done as much bad things, right? Y'all, I know we all. Y'all done plenty of bad things. You have given Jesus thousands of reasons to die for you. Did you know that? Thousands. I got you beat by like 20 years. No, not 20 years. I'm not that much older than you. 15 years-ish. Depends on who you are. You got to stop using your relationship with Jesus to impress other people, guys. You got to quit. You were made to be God to other people. Not to be like be in control of their lives and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I mean. To show them the love and the goodness and the grace that God has shown you. But you can't do that without a relationship with him. So if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, you don't follow Jesus, I haven't really been talking to you as much. Because this is what's expected of people who follow Jesus. You are expected to get your heart in line with what God has for you and what God has for the people around you. The people who don't pray with you are not being as good of friends to you as they could be. The people who only want to promote themselves, whether that's using their relationship with Jesus to do so or anything else, they're not really your friends. Do you guys know who Elijah Lamb is? He's a TikToker. He has like 70, no, like 700,000 TikTok followers. Elijah Lamb. Elijah.Lamb is his, his TikTok oh, name. This dude does Bible studies on TikTok Live. All these, oh, yeah. He's a high school senior oh, yeah. from Florida. I know him. He's got hundreds of thousands of followers, and he's insanely influential on TikTok especially. He's also got a bunch of followers on Instagram. He was at a conference that I went to in Phoenix a couple months ago, and you know what he said from the stage at that conference? If you have to sin for your friends to like you, those aren't your friends. 
They're using you. For anything. Could be anything. If he won't be your boyfriend unless you send him pictures, he's not your good boy. He's not a good boyfriend. He's using you. Guys, it's the other way around. If she won't be around unless you send her pictures, she's just using you. So she can feel better for a little bit. It happens. If they won't like you unless you do anything that God has said wrong, then they don't actually like you. They like to use you. And that's not your friend. But if they're willing to check their pride at the door, and they're willing to say, I want what God wants for you, that's a real friend. And sometimes that's really hard. I had a group of friends that knew everything about me, everything I had ever done wrong. I confessed a lot of things to them. And when I met my wife, Corbin, for the first time before I was dating her, I came to them and I said, guys, there's this girl and she is beautiful and I think I want to like date her. My friend Cooper looked me dead in the eyes and he said, when's the last time you did that sin we talked about a couple months ago? First thing they said, and it was hard. But he asked that because he knew what God's heart for me was. That that sin would not poison the way I live my life and that it wouldn't affect my relationship with who would potentially be my wife. And he wanted to make sure that I was treating it seriously and I wasn't going to let it kill me. There are things you guys are doing now as 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds that you think is not a big deal. But it's like buying a baby tiger. You ever played with a tiger cub before? No. Or a lion cub or something small like that? Or maybe you went to like Florida or Louisiana and you went to a gator farm and held a little tiny baby gator. Yes. Right? Hey, it's harmless now, maybe. But if you're not careful, it's going to grow up and it's going to bite your face off. I'm not kidding. There's a guy who that happened to in like what, the 90s? Early 2000s? It was really popular on the news. This guy that was like a lion tiger tamer. He'd like grown up with this had these tigers grow up around him and he was like oh they're my babies they're my family and he would like hug them and stuff and then the tiger should have killed him when he got old no that's tiger king but it's close they do attack him but here's my point you gotta be willing to say i don't know what's best for me i'm gonna trust god and right now that looks like trusting maybe mom or dad or maybe me or maybe any other pastor like Pastor Brian or Pastor John or Pastor Brandon or anybody who you talk to who speaks for God. you got to look at what he says in his word. Where is it? It's right here. you got to look at what he says in his word. you got to compare it to what people tell you about what he says. And you got to be willing to say, my life is not mine. I'm poor in spirit. And I'm going to get my heart in line with God's by praying. Do you know you can't pray anything to God that he doesn't already know? So prayer can't be about informing God about things he doesn't know. It's got to be about getting your heart in line with what he has for you. But that's up to you. If you're not that, then you're not being as good a friend as you could be. And if your friends aren't doing that, they're not as good a friends as they could be. And if you don't have a relationship with him, I need you to listen close. Believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead. And confess, which means agree out loud with your mouth, that he is in charge of your life, that he is Lord. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 say, and you will be saved. You will have a relationship with him. And then you can start being this friend and receiving this from friends who also follow Jesus. But until then, all you guys are going to be doing is promoting yourselves. And you're going to wonder why everything's messing up. Why you can't get people to like you. People will like you because they know that Jesus died for you. Not because you did something to impress them. Because you promoted yourself. Guys, God has been teaching me this lesson for a long time. 
But it starts with admitting that I don't know better, that he does. So where are you at? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because if you don't, you can't experience any of this. If you do have a relationship with Jesus, talk to him. Get your heart in line with his. And spend time reading his word so that you know the things that you hear while you pray are actually him. Because he won't disagree with what he's already said here. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to head out, guys, okay? Father, we love you. We are grateful for all that you've done for us, like we sang. I pray that as we leave from this place, God, you would help us to surrender our lives to you. That you would help us to trust you in everything that we do and say. That we wouldn't promote ourselves. We would pray both on our own and with our friends, God, to get our hearts in line with what you have for us. We love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.